Every week, the Orange Fizz team breaks down the five most pressing questions about Syracuse athletics. Holy cow, what a big-time defensive play! No holds barred. I pity the fool. It's the Fizz Five. Five! Hello and welcome to another edition of Fizz 5. Today is Friday, February 23rd. My name is Ethan Frank here in sunny Syracuse, New York at the end of February, joined by Liam Griffin just a couple of blocks away from me. Liam, how are you? Oh, you mentioned it. You don't see sun a lot in Syracuse. I, uh, we had a tough basketball loss last night, and uh, but uh, now that the sun's out, I'm suddenly in a much better mood. Yeah, uh, it, it's been a tough last uh 12 hours or so but we're gonna we're gonna be better from it and and we're gonna move forward uh there's a whole lot to talk about just a lot of basketball today that's the theme there's been some light football news uh you know the, all the talk in the world has been about ea ea college football 25 um and all the schools being in that game and, and everything involved with that but this is going to be a primarily hoops fizz five today so let's get right into it number one Starting with Tuesday night, Syracuse 87, NC State 83. We had all the coverage on theorangefizz.com during and after that game. Liam, you were there. I mean, you may have had a better view than anyone of this game at PNC Arena. So what was, you know, I guess take us through the momentum, the the whole game, what it was like being on the floor. Yeah, so through the first half, when, whenever Chris Bell touched the ball, you're like, oh, my God, he's going to make another three. I mean, eight three-pointers in the first half is it's, – it's absolutely insane. And in the second half, we'll talk about this in a little bit, Bell didn't touch the ball once. It was much more of an inside attack-oriented offense for Syracuse, mainly revolving around Copeland, Starling, and Mintz. That's a formula that was successful in the Georgetown game, and it was successful again here. But there were moments when you were thinking, oh, boy, this is not – looking too pretty it looks like the orange are gonna blow it and ethan they almost did but if the ball bounces a few different ways nc state wins that game yeah uh it it was it it was like the classic oh coming off a big loss like oh i mean we've seen this team can't put two games together um and the only time they lost back-to-back games in this recent stretch was was bc and then wake forest which was just a complete bottoming out but when you look at, at this, you know, since basically the beginning of the year, like you go all the way back to the Pittsburgh game on December 30th, the only time Syracuse won back-to-back games was because of Quadrier Copeland's buzzer beater against Miami. Um, and this team, that's the only time they've won back-to-back games in ACC play. Uh, but it, like having watched this team for so long, I, I like I had just had a feeling before the game. I didn't know if they were going to win, but I knew it was going to be close. And they weren't going to play the way they played Saturday against Virginia Tech. Um, I I want to talk a little bit about what happened down the stretch because it really was Copeland who was the guy. He got the ball on the last possession of the game. He made something happen. He got to the foul line. He made two free throws and and Syracuse won the game. What did you think of the decision to really just ISO Quadir Copeland with the game on the line with Judamins and J.J. Starling both on the floor? Well, there are a few notes I have on Quadir Copeland at the end of the game. One is that this is something you wouldn't get unless you had a baseline view like I had. Copeland and a fan right behind me were jawing at each other for pretty much the whole game. The fan was calling him 
soft, calling him an actor based off the fouls he was drawing. But at the end of the game, Copeland went one-on-one with DJ Horn. He was obviously trying to draw a foul. He failed miserably. That was one of the best defensive plays of the season for Syracuse so far. And then, like you mentioned it, the confidence that Adrian Autry has in him to put Copeland in iso ball when you have Mint and Starling there, it says a lot. And he rewarded him with a game-high 25 points. He, like, yeah, he, he, like, his, his ability to create and, and get to the basket is really unlike any other player on the team. Um, and, and especially at his height at six, six, uh, he, he was, I think he said it after the, I don't know if he said it after this game or he said it before that, you know, teams think he's a forward, but he is a guard. Um, and, and his guard skills at 6'6 are, are really, really special in helping create for himself and for his teammates. I mean, tonight he was creating for himself. He was rebounding and finishing. He was doing a lot of different things. And after the game, he used the term Philly tough. And I, and I think that's a really good way of putting it because, you know, Philadelphians tend to have this blue-collar mantra about them. And I feel like that encapsulates Quadrier Copeland's game perfectly. Always going to dive after loose balls. Always finding ways to improve. The man took 200 shots every day over the summer to improve his offensive game. Now it's coming into full fruition. He He's just like in a rotation where you're only playing seven guys. Really. And, and, and I mean, really, in terms of actual minutes, you're only playing six guys. Yeah. Um, Because no matter who else you're throwing after Copeland, it's not like they're playing, you know, what they're not playing more than 10 minutes a game, Hema or Cuff or right. Um, so when you're playing six guys, you need the guys that are playing 20, 25, 30 minutes to produce, and that's exactly what Copeland is doing. This team has four games left, uh, in the regular season, and we'll, we'll talk about the schedule, uh, coming up in a little bit, but I want to focus on another uh, very interesting aspect of, of Tuesday's game here, here as we move forward with, with our next topic. Number two. Chris Bell shot eight for eight to start the game from three, had 26 points in the first half and finished the game eight for 10 from three, which drew the comments of one Draymond Green which Liam you wrote about on theorangefizz.com. So take us what were Draymond's comments? What'd you write about? What 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 got you going to 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 write about this? Yeah, so let me pull up the exact tweet here now if you don't mind, but when I saw this I'm like, are you serious? Syracuse just caught the eyes of uh, a lot of college basketball lore because Draymond Green's exact quote is I personally think if I ever coached college basketball, I'd destroy all these guys. I just watched Chris Bell start 8-for-8 from 3 in the first half and finish 8-for-10. They didn't have one setback screen, but only sat in the corner, didn't run a pick-and-roll with him as the back action, and put the defender in a single-side tag position, and he got one shot in the second half. Watching college basketball baffles me. His coach didn't know how to use him to get other guys shots, let alone get him another shot. However, boy got a ratchet. Anytime someone with the carrying power, per se, of Draymond Green gets involved with Syracuse, one, I mean, yeah, how... this is a this is an NBA Hall of Famer in all yeah. likelihood. You think it's a, you think it's or a basketball Hall of Famer. Yeah. I mean, anytime someone with that name power is tweeting about Syracuse, you know it's 
newsworthy. And Ethan, I think he's spot on. Even though the Orange ended up winning the game down the stretch, it baffles me that Chris Bell was not a part of the offensive game plan in the second half. And I mean, this is a problem we've talked about the whole season and that people on social media point out all the time is that Syracuse doesn't run anything on offense. It's just let our creators create and then drive and kick. That That's literally what the offense is. Um, and, and if that's going to be what you're relying on, then it's going to make players frustrated. Why? Like Chris Bell is not very good at hiding his emotions. I would, I would say, but, but if the guy is shooting this well, you got it. Like you gotta get him the ball. You have to get him the ball, find ways to get him the ball. And I understand you're only playing six guys and, and guys are gassed. Um, because you're banging bodies on one end and then you got to run sets on the other end. If, if, if you even are running sets, so, but, but like, if you want to win this game, like winning by 15 would have done wonders for Syracuse, but they only end up winning. They only end up winning by four. Um, Like this is Syracuse team. That's 85th in Ken Palm right now. And, and when you look at the net rankings, they're, they're right around that same range. They're 86, 86th. Um, and Not because good. they beat NC State, NC State moved down to number 80. And so instead of a quad one win, it's a quad two win. Um, it's like you just gotta find you gotta find ways to win. And getting Chris Ball, Chris Bell the ball was was something you needed to do to win. Uh, and even though they did hang on, it was a lot closer and a lot yeah. nervier than it needed to be. And it was a 15-point game at halftime. Why? Because Chris Bell was shooting so well. And I don't, I'm don't. i not a huge proponent of playing this game, but I'm going to play it. Where would Syracuse have been if Chris Bell didn't shoot the lights out in the first half? They probably lose that game. So why you don't go to him in the second half is absolutely ludicrous. I And it's not like he was just doing one thing. He like he was pump faking and moving laterally. He he was you know he was moving without the basketball, and then the second half he's just standing in the corner. Yep. And you know the discussion was, Chris Bell was making all these threes when Judah Mintz wasn't in the game. Um. So Liam, with your vantage point of this game, was Syracuse a better offensive team when Judah Mintz was not in the game? I mean, Judah Mintz got into early foul trouble and. When he went out relatively early in the first half, the Orange had built a sizable lead already. So I wouldn't, I would not go that far. I don't necessarily think that things would have gone any differently in the second half if it were Kyle Cuff on the floor in place of Judah, like we saw at the end of the first half. But yeah, I think it. You can't pin the blame on one guy, especially Judah, because he sat out part of the first half. But it just, it's, it's, it's the whole team. It's the whole team's fault for not, not working to get Bell more involved in the second half. Yeah, and when guys, when you're hot, like as a as someone you know at a very lower level, when you're hot, like you need the ball. And yeah. as someone who played rec basketball for a long time, um, like when you're hot, just just give a shooter the ball. Um, yeah. it's 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 really really simple. Find ways to get them open, and you know maybe part of the blame goes to Bell for not doing more off the ball. But if that's what he's being told to do, that's what he's being told to do. And I mean, the Syracuse coaches have had to defend themselves all week because this is all anyone's wanted to talk about, uh, whether it was on any sort of programming, Adrian Autry, Jerry McNamara, Alan Griffin, all had to defend uh, themselves because of this Draymond Green tweet. When someone of his stature is calling you out for your coaching, then 
I mean, it kind of just went into to defense mode uh, for, for this week, yeah. which was, I guess, interesting to see, not really something we'd seen before. Yeah. And yeah, like you mentioned, Draymond Green, in all likelihood, a Hall of Famer, not someone that's exactly shy to let his feelings be known. We've seen him go on inside the NBA in the past and just rip people to shreds and obviously a very emotional player on the court. So I don't know if his exact verbiage was something I would say, like I would destroy these guys, but yeah, yeah, that's, you hate to see it. You hate to see it. You hate to see it. You really do. Uh, All right. Let's, uh, let's move it on from this NC state loss. You mean NC state win. NC State win. You're right. Let's move it on from the NC State. I mean, the way we're talking about it feels like a loss, but it was a win. Let's move on from uh, from the NC State win. Number three. Speaking of losses, see, this is where I was going. Syracuse women's basketball had been playing tremendous ball uh, over the entirety of the season. What were they, 22 and 4? 23 and 4? 22 and 4. 22 and 4. 22 and 4, but a really, really tough one to Duke last night. The best defensive team in the ACC came into the Dome and Syracuse didn't even score 50 points. I mean, did 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 WAR in a loss last night score more points than than Felicia Leggett-Jack squad in a loss? I believe so. I think we had 46 last night. Yeah, we scored 46 points. But, Ethan, it's not hard to find a reason why Syracuse lost this game to the Blue Devils. I mean, yes, shooting 25% from the field is really really terrible i mean only three of 16 from beyond the arc as well make it one of 13 if you exclude georgia woolley going two of three syracuse got out rebounded in this game 52 to 25 52 to 25 ethan this is the top offensive rebounding team in the acc and they got doubled up that's unacceptable no completely ridiculous felicia get jack said it after the game too there's not going to be a lot of shooting in practice tomorrow. So yeah, today, <laughs> I would imagine there will be a lot of rebounding drills happening inside the mellow center. You would think, you Go would think so. You would think so. Um, it'll, uh, Sunday will be interesting. Senior day in the dome. I mean, I don't know if this takes Syracuse out of the picture to potentially get a top four seed, but it certainly does not help. Yeah. Um, it's a team that was projected as a four seed in the latest bracketology on uh, ESPN, um, but a home loss uh, to an unranked Duke team, even though they're they're not bad, is Duke a tournament team? I'm not yeah, sure. Duke, Duke should be a tournament. Duke's team. a tur- like a, a home loss to a tournament team isn't terrible, but this is a lot different than losing at home to a Virginia Tech uh, yeah. that compared to a Duke. Ethan, you know, I mentioned earlier, Duke is Duke is no scrub. And at their place back in mid-November, that's a easily a top-two seed. Beat Virginia Tech by 17 inside Cameron Indoor Stadium. Crushed Florida State when it was still ranked. And beat, beat a North Carolina team in overtime that Syracuse lost to by 20-something. Not a bad – Duke is not a bad team, and I have it up right now. The Blue Devils are currently a seventh seed in Charlie Cream's latest bracketology. Meanwhile – Syracuse after last night has dropped to a five. So make no mistake about it. It's not a good loss, but don't, we shouldn't be talking about Duke. Like it is a bad team. Cause that's, that's quite that's right. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, 
Yeah, Sunday will be interesting. You play a Pittsburgh team, you beat handily on the road uh, about a month ago, and then you go to a top 10 team at NC State on Thursday. Um, But I'm really interested to see how this team responds on Sunday, potentially final game of the Dome this season. Uh, What is the response like? Um, And how, how do they react to probably the worst loss of the season? I would, I would say. I would certainly, Ethan, I would certainly hope that they come out with a little bit of a, a little bit of a vengeance after a loss like that. After the North Carolina game, a game I called the Boston college game a few days later, they were still a little sluggish coming out of the gate. Didn't look too great, but lo and behold, they got it done. We'll have to wait and see what happens on Sunday. And when the orange are in the tournament, you can be sure that the Fizz team will have you covered for what really has been the most successful team on campus uh, this calendar year, starting with football, moving all the way through um, uh, now here as we get towards March and are at the end of February. All right, let's keep moving it along. Number four. Back to the men's side. So mentioned four games left. Home Notre Dame. Home Virginia Tech at Louisville at Clemson. I so the the bracket. I mean, I I just completely disregarded Joe Lenardi because I I just like his ACC whatever he has against the ACC is just ridiculous. Um, and I I just don't think he like he's just not not been very knowledgeable this year. Or I mean, he's perfectly knowledgeable. It's just when it comes to the bubble, I just haven't enjoyed like actually listening to what he said. Um, the bracketology I have is I've been going more analytical. And Liam, I know your numbers. You're a numbies guy. Um, this guy, JBR Bracketology. Are you familiar with JBR Bracketology? I cannot say I am. JBR Bracketology has been given really interesting thoughts on, on Syracuse all year. Um, and uh, he, he's his brackets are... His or I'm pretty sure it's his or her. I don't know. Um, it's been very interesting to look at the bubble. Um, and he, he still has Syracuse in the considered column. But if Syracuse does win these final four games, which I mean, they could go out and lose to Notre Dame tomorrow, which would not be a surprise at all because they haven't put two game, two wins together in a very long period of time. Um, right. He had this was on Wednesday. In terms of the bubble, he had Syracuse as, I believe, like the 15th team out, 14th or 15th team out. Um, but if if you can string together some sort of winning streak and teams in front of you falter, like Virginia Tech is a team right in front of Syracuse on this. And that's a team you play on Tuesday. I, I It's not dead, but you probably have to win out this regular season. Yeah, one, you have to win out. Two, you probably have to win two ACC tournament games, Ethan, because realistically, you ha- you pick up a good win against Clemson. None of the other three victories, you know, beating Notre Dame or Virginia Tech at home and a terrible Louisville team on the road, none of those victories are going to move the needle at all. A win over Clemson, that's a team that's going to make the NCAA tournament, that's a guaranteed quad one win, that might help, but it won't be enough. So, realistically, you're probably going to see Syracuse as a eight or nine seed at this point in the ACC tournament, something that we have grown accustomed to every year since we got to this university, Ethan. It's getting a little boring at this point, not going to lie. Let's say you match up against Virginia Tech again. Even if you beat them in the opening round of the ACC tournament, you're going to need to figure out a way to beat Carolina, Duke, Virginia on a neutral site. That's a really, really tough ask. 
Yeah, they're ninth right now in the standings. Even though Carolina already beat them. Yeah, ninth right now in the standings. Um, you'd play Florida State in that eight nine game, a team that beat you by sixteen on your own floor uh, a month ago in late January. I mean, but there's this huge conglomerate: Clemson, Pittsburgh, NC State, Florida State are all eight and seven. Syracuse eight and eight, and Virginia Tech is seven and eight. So there could be a whole lot of shuffling going on. I mean, Syracuse with a good solid performance could be as high as fifth or sixth, um, but could also be playing on Tuesday. Tuesday, if things go poorly. Um, but would say in all likelihood the Orange are playing on Wednesday. We'll, we'll we'll see what happens. I don't know. I feel like there still could be a scenario of things shake out that if you take care of business against Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, and Louisville, and then lose to Clemson, I still think there's there could be a world where you head in the ACC tournament, and if you have a decent showing, you could get in. You don't necessarily have to win at Clemson. Huh. Well, Ethan, I want to focus on Notre Dame because – it's a team that, frankly, has been up and down and then some, even though they have a terrible record. I mean, the Fighting Irish beat Virginia by 22 before the new year. They spanked Louisville by 22 earlier this week. That's a team the Orange only beat by two points in their own building. The Irish did it in at the KFC Yum Center, a fantastic arena, by the way. so I'm excited to visit it next weekend. Moral of the story is you can't sleep on this Notre Dame team. Even though they're 5-10 and 10 in the conference, this is a conference where anybody can seemingly beat anybody if that's not evidenced by what happened to Syracuse over the North Carolina and Georgia Tech games. I don't know what more evidence you need to say that any ACC team can beat any ACC team on any given day. Perfect way of putting it. We'll see what happens, and that takes us right to this Notre Dame game where I heard there was a special man being honored on uh, on Saturday. Number five. That guy would be Jim Beheim, who coached the Orange for 47 seasons and has been at Syracuse for, what, 60 years since he was a freshman in college, then coached golf, assistant coach for basketball, and then the head man for 47 seasons, now still working in the athletic department. He'll be honored on Saturday at the game. Then there is a banquet after um, for him. It'll be really special. I would imagine a, a lot of his former players will be there. Um, you would expect, I, I don't think you'll see someone like Carmelo Anthony, but I would I would expect people like a Derek Coleman, a Billy Owens, like uh, people, of, of a Lawrence Moten, um, like people of, of the 80s and 90s that will be there, like uh, people in that realm. Um, I don't know, like, what who who else will will come but i would expect like the guys that got Bayheim on the map uh in in that first decade first decade and a half um of his coaching i would expect to be um be in the dome yeah ethan this is shaping up to be a really 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 cool day this feels like a once in a lifetime moment for syracuse basketball fans especially people like you and me who are in their early 20s this is going to be really really cool to soak in because there's so much history so many big moments big time players all under Jim Beheim. I mean we may never see a coaching career like his again not just in Syracuse no we will never see we will never see a coaching yeah 47 years at one program is just it's remarkable it's remarkable and yeah he definitely drew some ire towards the end of his tenure but he was still a fantastic coach, and 
I didn't know this until I got to to Syracuse, but he means so much to this city. It's unbelievable. He he is a a special guy, um, in in a lot of different ways, um, and you know the fans, you know, even though things didn't didn't go perfect, uh, the fans will always rally for Jim Beheim. And I don't know what the what the game is going to be like in terms of how they're going to honor him, um, but it, it, it's going to be a spectacle, and I am really excited to be there to to see it because I'd imagine there are going to be some speeches either at halftime or or post game, um, and it's going to be like he has three former players on the bench. Most of the players on the team are players he coached or recruited. Um, I mean, this is a guy who. Everything that Syracuse is, people know Syracuse as a city because of Jim Behan. Um, and we sit here as two people that are less than half the age of um, the amount of years he coached at Syracuse, which is crazy to think about. Yeah. Um, but still, we understand just how important Jim Beheim is to the city, to the program, to the university. And that's why there is something being honored for him. I mean, I if Sir I will be distraught if Syracuse loses this game. I mean, yeah. just you don't lose on Jim Beheim Day. No. You don't lose on a Saturday at noon to a non-tournament team. Like I didn't think they were going to lose to Clemson because I just I just don't think Syracuse loses Saturday home games. They just like they usually do not unless it's Duke or Carolina, um, in their time in the ACC. That like that is the trend. Is Syracuse will take care of business because your best crowds are Saturday home games at noon especially, um, and th- like, this is just a game Syracuse doesn't lose. And if they lose it, it will stink. Like last year, Syracuse was reeling. And then you get to that Wake Forest game, last home game of the year where you got Jerry McNamara and Hakeem Works jersey retirement. And what happens? They beat Wake Forest, who is a better team than them. Um, all, the, all the old three players were there too. Exactly. And Saturday home game. It's, yeah. this is not a game you lose. Ethan, First of all, I agree with you wholeheartedly. This isn't a game you can lose under any circumstances. You know, these moments only come once in a lifetime, once in the season. You cannot spoil it with a loss. And with that, I want to ask you, what's your favorite Bayheim Bay moment? Ooh. I mean, I was... Excluding the national championship. Well, yeah, I was only like 18 months old for the national championship. I mean, I, I remember watching the CJ Fair Charge call... Um, I mean, my favorite Syracuse game, I mean, I've seen a lot of good games in person. I mean, the lead eight game against Virginia is probably the best game. I, I could tell you exactly where I was. Like, I still remember sitting on my couch in my basement watching that game. Um, they're, they're like, there are just so many, um, I mean, some good, some bad. Um, but it, it's, it's just whole, like, there isn't one moment i mean obviously you know the the fun moment is the cj fair charge call when he loses his mind but there are just so many that virginia game will always stand out as was i think we were in eighth grade i think it was eighth grade um eighth grade and you had no expectation that that's i mean there was syracuse was being talked about as missing the tournament then they were a 10 seed like that's a huge jump um and look what they did with it they got a little lucky that Michigan State was upset by Middle Tennessee State in the first round, so they got a 15 seed instead of a two seed. But it's that was a really special run and and one I'll always remember. Um, 
but yeah, uh, th- that's what I would say. Yeah, you've got that. You mentioned it. There's so many to choose from. There's the without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won ten bleeping games. There's CJ Fair. There are final four runs in 2013 and 2016 that came out of the blue. But I remember there's the chair toss against after uh, the Georgetown game. The referees, pure and simple, took the game from us. He shows so much passion, and that really came through, came out to me, Ethan, when was when he was coaching Buddy Beheim during that 2021 run. Another run as a double-digit seed to the to the second weekend of the tournament. You could see how much fun he was having with Buddy, and he also said that despite going sub 500, the year he coached both Buddy and Jimmy it was the most fun he's ever had coaching, despite the worst season record-wise he's had in his 47-year career. So that passion for coaching it, it it's really unmatched and yes special. he's a unique individual a unique passion for the city um and for the fans of syracuse and it'll be a lot of fun to watch and you can follow all of liam's coverage on saturday at orange fizz on twitter and at the orange fizz.com uh make sure to check out our soundcloud page as well fizz radio where all of our post game twitter spaces are posted along with every fizz five episode liam any final thoughts? You don't lose Jim Beheim Day. You just don't. No, you can't. Syracuse needs to win against Notre Dame tomorrow. It needs to beat Virginia Tech. It needs to beat Louisville. We'll see if the Orange can get it done. All right, that'll do it for this edition of Fizz 5. That's Liam. I'm Ethan. Thanks for listening. And as always, go Orange. And that's your Fizz 5. Listen next week. Subscribe, rate, and review. This has been an Orange Fizz production.